Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Hey, 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 it's another Thursday, and that means it's another weekly dosage of the First Gen Hunter podcast. I hope you guys have been enjoying it along the way. This is episode number 50, the big five zero people, halfway to 100, and man, has it been fun, and man, have I really appreciated you all the way through it. Uh, you guys are very special to me, and uh, if you're listening for the first time, Hope you uh, enjoy this one. I think it'll make you a better hunter for sure as you listen in here to our interview with Mr. Heath Rayfield. Because, man, I'm telling you, after we interviewed him, Brandon and I, we were like, dude, I think I might be able to kill a turkey this year. And if I'm saying that, man, that means some some serious work was accomplished, some really good advice, some excellent tips. Okay, so... Yeah, as you guys know, I don't know a whole lot about turkey hunting, but uh, this one is uh, this one is really good. And uh, before we get there, though, I do need to give you your tip of the day, and that tip is related to turkey hunting. It's also related to mushroom hunting, and maybe if you're even doing some last-minute shed hunting, uh, maybe if you're up north where uh, things have just totally melted off not so long ago, and you're able to see the ground now. I still have a few weeks before the big green up. Uh, maybe you're out doing that. But uh, this this tip is about avoiding bad run-ins with ectoparasites. All right, Mr. Biology Teacher, quit using those uh, big science words. What's an ectoparasite? Well, we'll start with defining the term ecto, which just means outside of. So we're saying a parasite that is outside of the organism so on the like on the surface of their body and then for parasite well you probably already know what that means Uh, that's when you have one organism that is taking something some sort of resource from another organism now the most common types of parasites are ones that are feeding off of other organisms and that those are the type that i'm talking about right now i'm talking about ticks i'm talking about mosquitoes i'm talking about those little teeny tiny bugs that hide in tall grass known as chiggers and they all have one thing in common and that is they want to take something from you and make you miserable and so i figured hey you know what i don't know a lot about turkey hunting but i can talk about uh how to avoid some of these problems okay now with just like with hunting you want to go where there's going to be deer or there's going to be turkey or there's going to be pheasants or whatever it is you're hunting for you want to go to those places right because it makes sense duh well the same thing is true when uh, you're wanting to avoid run-ins with these things but here's the catch a lot of times where the game is that we're seeking or or uh, you know maybe like uh, in the case of mushrooms where we're looking for mushrooms it often overlaps where these things live too so we can't really totally avoid where we're going to have these problems now you in the case of uh, mosquitoes you kind of can you can choose not to hunt near like you know stagnant water where these things breed like crazy um, and hatch like crazy Uh, but uh, beyond that, you know, there's just not really a lot you can do. You, you kind of got to go in there if you're gonna if you're gonna find success. You know, if you're gonna find sheds, you got to get in there under you know conifer trees and and along the edges of forests and tall 
CRP grass and stuff like that, you know. You got to go where it's going to be. If you're going to find morels, you got to go deep into the woods and find those uh, those uh, rotting elm trees. And, you know, when you do that stuff, it puts you in the line of fire for this. So so what do you do? Well, since you can't really avoid the, this entirely, you know, going into these areas, because you want to be successful, as we just said, uh, you when you go through them, you need to immediately check yourself out okay so what do i mean well if you're going under a cedar tree we'll say and that cedar tree brushes all over the back of your neck on your shoulders you know on your head um you know that's fine you know but you need to realize that okay what i what just happened to me right there if i'm gonna pick up a tick today that's probably gonna be what's going to to get a tick on me okay that that little brush up on that branch like that so when you get done looking for this shed or mushrooms, uh, probably a shed if it's under a cedar tree, uh, then when you get to the other side, pull your hat off, look it over, make sure you don't have any ticks crawling on it, check your shoulders, and brush yourself off really good. Br- run your hands through your hair really fast and vigorously in case there's any crawling in your hair to get them off. Have uh, If you have a buddy with you, have them check out your hair and your 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 neck and shoulders and make sure they don't see any ticks crawling on you or anything. And that's your first line of defense, okay? Now your second one. I like to use some kind of spray when I get into the time of the year when when the ticks are real heavy. But I don't really like spraying that stuff all over on my body and up near my face and stuff like that, near my eyes and mouth and and breathing it in through my nose or anything. So I just like to spray it around my ankles. And I'm going to tell you that has worked great for me through the years. I usually get one or two ticks on me every year, but um, for as much time as I spend outside walking in places where there's lots and lots of ticks, I uh, I uh, do all right. And so I think a big part of that is when I spray that spray and put it around my ankles, I think that really helps things out. So uh, that's another tip. Now, uh, another one yet is when you get back to the house or the hotel or wherever it is, maybe you're staying at a campground or whatever, and you're gonna have a shower, Give yourself a look over uh, in in the mirror when you're uh, in your birthday suit. Uh, it's a good time to be able to pick up on anything crawling on you, or maybe, hopefully this doesn't happen, but it could happen already attached. And uh, the other thing you should do is, uh, you know, when you're especially washing your hair, uh, just just really kind of feel what you know carefully to make sure there's not a tick laying against your scalp. They can flatten themselves out pretty pretty well and make it pretty hard for you to feel them. So you know, just kind of carefully rake your your fingers on your scalp as you're using the shampoo, and that should help alert you to any that have uh, have evaded your other uh, tick removal uh, techniques. Another thing you need to do is really scrub around uh, areas where tight-fitting clothing is at. Um, those tiny little bugs that I was talking about that live in tall grass. I have heard from people who have uh, been uh, afflicted by those terrible critters um, uh, before. They've said that uh, they oftentimes target these areas of, of tight-fitting clothing. So talking like waistbands and uh, um, uh, sock lines, you know, where, where the elastic on your sock comes up, places like that. Anywhere we got that like tight elastic clothing, that's going to be a, a hot spot for uh, those little tiny bugs known as chiggers. They're rough, man. Thankfully, I've never had them, but uh, a big part of that is whenever I get done being in a place where I could absolutely pick them up, I scrub down really quick uh, after I get back to the house or whatever so I don't end up with them. And from what I hear, if you get those things, 
uh, you're going to be out of your mind. And I've, I think I've even heard of people seeking out medical help uh, because the itching was so severe. So, uh, you know, I would, I would heed my warning if I were you. Make sure uh, you really uh, are careful. And, and those, I believe, are most frequently picked up in really tall grass. So uh, if you're, uh, you know, turkey hunting in, on the edge of a CRP field or something, that'd be a good place to pick them up. Anyways, that's kind of a, I suppose, a unique tip of the day, but one that I think can really uh, save you from some nasty uh, stuff that goes around out there brought on by these terrible little parasites. So uh, there's your tip of the day. Hope, hope it's helpful. Hope it helps keep everybody safe and healthy in the woods. Let's go ahead now and get on to episode 50 of the First Gen Hunter podcast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. It has been an interesting week, Brandon. Um, I have been able to enjoy the great outdoors from the great indoors. Mm, okay. Now that's that's certainly not you know ideal. I get it, but you know sometimes <laughs> Take what you get. that's right. That's right. You know, I, it's getting to that point in the school year. You know, where you got to really be catching up on stuff because the end is in sight kids need to know mm-hmm. where their grade stands that kind of thing you know yep. we got we got yep. it's, it's it's uh you know we're going to talk about a specific hunting season tonight well there's a specific there's specific seasons during a school year too and right now we are in standardized testing season and uh i had the uh we'll say privilege to uh <laughs> proctor the the state science exam this last week mm. and going into this week i uh, get to get to uh proctor the sat so uh it's mm. it's definitely getting to to the time of the year where the schedule gets a little interesting <laughs> i gotta i have to be grading more papers and mm. so uh the great outdoors it sounds, it sounds like almost as much fun as getting into the outdoors <laughs> yeah like it's like looking at a puppy through a glass window when you're a kid you know you can you can almost enjoy it but but what i did what i was able to do this week is i was able to uh have walleye for supper a couple different nights uh uh, i mentioned this in the last episode but uh um in the kind of in the pregame for that but uh uh, we had, or I had a coworker of mine catch a bunch of walleyes and, uh, he gifted uh-huh. me, um, several, uh, fillets and, and, uh, nice. which was really nice of him. Yeah. And, uh, they were delicious. So, you know, I got that little taste and then, uh-huh. um, you know, it's been a good year of shed hunting for me. And, uh, uh if you uh, saw on social media, I picked up a real hammer, uh, about a week uh-huh. ago, um, probably going to score the highest of any shed I've ever found. I found my two, no, actually I found my three biggest sheds this year. Nice. Yeah. So it was, it was really a good year. The most sheds I found in a year and, and I found, uh, the three, the three biggest in my collection, but, wow. um, this last one, it doesn't quite have like the, uh, mass on it that, uh, the one I found back in March did, but, uh, it, it has an extra tine. So I think it'll score a little bit mm. higher, but the problem is it got hit by the squirrels pretty good. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I've busted out the stuff I've, I think I've mentioned on here a few times, but, uh, there, yeah. there's a stuff I heard about. It's called a epoxy sculpt, not epoxy, but like epoxy. 
epoxy mm-hmm. sculpt and it's uh it like basically takes clay and mixes some hardening agent with it and it turns it into like basically something that's as hard as bone and so mm-hmm. uh you know i patched up a few antlers i still have some sanding and, and painting and stuff to do but uh it's kind of fun to uh you know be able to take a little break from grading and and yeah. uh watching the kids and and uh, get that in so but yeah nonetheless it's been a it's been a year of or a, a week of the great outdoors from the indoors and uh i saw you though you got outside here recently did a little food plot prep yeah yeah we're super excited about that we're blessed with one of our properties you know we've got you know, three food plots on on one individual property and so we were able to get up there and kind of, you know, kind of mow things down get things sprayed and kind of prepped um, we're going to probably do another respray here next weekend and then we'll be ready to hopefully till and plant. So we're, we're really excited. We've, we've traditionally last few years, we've, we've kind of done fall planning, um, rather than spring planning, just based on time and and all that type of stuff. So this year we kind of purpose to do some spring planning, which we we actually haven't done, um, for about eight years now. So we, we haven't actually been able to, to get a spring, you know, plot in, um, for a long time. So we're really excited about that. And then here in Delaware, turkey season just started yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go out yesterday. Just had some some you know work stuff and family stuff going on. But um, a couple of people that live close to the properties up there, you know, I was texting them and they were hearing them, and you know, so they're 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 out there. So we're we're excited for this week. Hopefully, we'll get up there and see what we can do. Well, I'm I'm glad that your uh, your outdoor activity has been a little bit more impressive than mine right now, but. <laughs> We're about to get blown away because the guy that yes. we have on tonight, um, I think uh, our buddy Noel Gandy referred to him as just a a killer. I think was <laughs> was his words. <laughs> right. Basically, yeah. he, he's basically, uh, you know, I I uh, know this guy Heath Rayfield, and he just knows how to notch tags. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and uh, from following Heath on social media, I don't know if he even sold it quite enough when he told us that i mean <laughs> heath is <laughs> heath is a maniac in the woods man <laughs> and heath we are so lucky to have you on the show tonight good to be here guys glad to glad to be here yeah man mm. it's, it's such a good time of course we had a great time talking quail hunting with you uh, i think that was uh episode number 39 and uh uh here we are again you know several months later and Whew, just watching what you do during turkey season, man, is that is something. Yeah. Well, I, I, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, I enjoy to hunt about everything there is to hunt, but when it comes to a turkey, um, there's just something about them. Yeah. Something yeah. about them that if the good Lord lets me get up that morning and put two feet on the ground and I got time to go chase one, I'm going to go chase one. Either I'm out yep. of tags or I'm going to find somebody that's got tags that I can take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I, I want to hit that part too. The, yeah. the guiding, the guiding side of mm-hmm. what you do, um, is, is I think just a, a tremendous way to get some more experience, but, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll get there here in a second. And, you know, we say all this about Heath and, uh, you know, listeners, you can already pick this up from him. The other thing that Heath will blow just about anybody away with is his humility. Uh, you uh, you are not a uh, person who looks for the attention or or uh, talks up your abilities or anything like that. But man, I I agree with uh, Noel full heartedly that uh, you uh, you definitely know how to get it done. And so uh, 
yeah, it's, it's really cool to see you do that. But, um, you know, you have, you have put a lot of birds or at least seen a lot of birds, been a part of a lot of birds hitting the dirt this year. How many have you, uh, bagged yourself and, uh, how many of you like, uh, been a part of? So I have personally killed two. Um, okay. We're allowed, we're allowed three in South Carolina and, you know, they changed the law a couple of years ago. Actually, two years ago, they changed it to where we can only shoot one bird the first 10 days. So uh. I killed my bird opening day. So I had to sit and couldn't hunt for nine days, basically. Because um, me and my little boy both, he killed his on youth weekend. Mm. So me and him both tagged out for 10 days. And then uh, I killed my second one, which was on public ground. And then uh, I had to wait a few days. Uh, I actually guided a couple of hunts, and the birds were kind of in a little little slow time at, at that period. Uh, we didn't do any good. And then I think it was April 3rd, our youth season come in. So I guess what you're asking, I've killed two birds personally, and I have called in eight other birds so far that have you know been killed. Wow. Wow. It's <laughs> incredible. That is awesome, man. That is that is so guys, cool. If um yesterday morning if I would have had two or three more hunters in the blind with me, mm. uh we we could have had an epic morning. I'll I'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> oh but, man, like a like a like a like a triple going down possibly. Uh, we could have killed four and we'll get into oh, the man. story, I'm sure. but there's no doubt in my mind. We could have killed four long beers yesterday morning. Oh just my right goodness. Out of it, it was probably one of the best hunts I've had in my turkey career. As far wow. as what these turkeys did. And, and, you know, this may be a story for later on down, just kind of telling you what turkeys can do in different stages. So, yeah. um, well, that's incredible. It, it was pretty more needless to say my guy that i guided killed a turkey yesterday morning and then i left him about 8 30 and went and got up with my buddy and uh we got on another bird about we got on him about nine o'clock and ended up getting killed about 11 o'clock wow that's that's, that's really i mean that you know it's it's so cool too and i know we'll talk more about this but i mean it's really cool that you're able to guide people and you know i'm sure you would say you know that it's 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 even more fun to watch people get into it, especially if they're getting their first bird or maybe they haven't been in a long time and, you know, seeing them, you know, kind of just fall in love with it and helping them with that. I mean, that's, I'm sure just got to be an amazing feeling. I tell you probably what's, what's the most enjoyable for me on Turkey is guiding, calling the bird. Yeah. In. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love to bust the beak too, boys. <laughs> I, I <love> <laughs> <laughs> but, if I get to work a bird and call a bird in for someone and they pull the trigger, I mean, I could have pulled the trigger just as easy as they did, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I really enjoy the most about it is the interacting with the bird and, and you know, yeah. getting that bird in there close. And, mm-hmm. and when I say close, like majority of the birds that I shoot personally, or if I've got someone with me that I knows, you know, pretty well experienced hunter, um, yeah. A lot of times we shoot these birds at five and six steps. Mm, wow. Um, yeah. You know, 
they're, they're right on top of us. But mm-hmm. I, I, I get I get more out of guiding than I do hunting for myself. Mm-hmm. And even better than that, what I love the most, and I probably work the hardest. I mean, I work hard for all my clients. I want mm-hmm. to kill a bird every day if possible. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. days don't work out. It's that's hunting, especially turkey hunting. Yeah, but. Yeah. Really, really, really go at it hard when I have the kids. And, and you know, mm-hmm. that's a great thing. South Carolina gives us two days of youth season before our main season kicks in. So yeah. I obviously block those two days out. My son's old enough now that we can go kill turkeys. You know, he started carrying a gun last year and, uh, you know, was fortunate enough to take two turkeys last year. And then, you know, he took one so far this year. And so we tagged him, and then, you know, we're tagged out. But then North Carolina, yeah, North Carolina, when their season comes in, they give you a youth week. So oh, I had nice. Kids Saturday. I had kids hunting Saturday, uh, didn't hunt Sunday, of course, Easter. But then we hunted Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I had a kid every every day of the week. And That's we got, cool. uh, uh, we killed four birds youth week. Wow. That's really so, cool. And, and some of them were the kids' first turkeys, and some of them's kids I've had in the past. And um, another, be- I guess, beauty thing of this, too, was two boys that I got them into turkey hunting a couple of years ago, friends of mine, and I just said, hey, y'all boys want to go turkey hunting one day? And they was like, yeah, we see them around the house all the time. I said, well, let's go chase them. <laughs> and I made it. It's it's two brothers, and it's their two. Each one of them have two sons. I've just created little monsters out of them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. uh, We killed two, I think, Tuesday afternoon. We killed two, called three in, and we killed two of them. And then I took the other two boys another afternoon, and we had a bird goblin, and we got to watch him, and we put him to bed, basically, which Mm -hmm. don't happen around here. Mm -hmm. You just... It's hard to roost a bird around here. Hmm. But anyway, we put this bird to bed, and these boys were 14. One's 14 and one's 15. And I told them they'd never been, you know, turkey hunting on their own. They've always hunted with me. And Mm -hmm. uh, I said, all right, boys, here's your hen decoy, and here's your turkey calls. I said, y'all get up in the morning. Here's where I want you to be at 6 o'clock. And I gave them the whole routine of, Mm -hmm. you know, don't call this and don't do this and do this when he does this and you know so forth well that next morning i'm guiding at about eight o'clock i get the text message we got him nice <laughs> oh that is so cool nice that's first bird on the phone. Yeah, that's, that's that's incredible that's yeah awesome. well and and it's got to be pretty awesome too for kids i mean you know you know i didn't get into turkey hunting until i was probably you know 25 you know earlier maybe 24 oh, really? you know and and yeah, I, I, it's really just been the last, you know, 10 years that I've been into oh. turkey hunting, you know, and, and uh, in Delaware, you know, we, the, growing up, we, you never saw wild turkey, you know, you never saw turkey. They, they sure. reintroduced turkey um, in the yep. late nineties and they, it just kind of exploded from there. Um, and, you know, fast forward from there, you know, we were always deer hunting and duck hunting and goose hunting and all that. And, you know, finally, you know, we f- figured, you know, man, anything to extend the season a little bit. So, man, to be able to do some spring, you know, hunting is awesome. But, uh, you know, I know just even from when, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big kid at heart, so I can only imagine, you know, a younger 14 <laughs> year old, you know, going out there or whatever. I mean, just hearing that, that communication with the bird and everything that goes into it, seeing that 
her come in fanning out, you know, everything that goes into it. It's got to be one of those game animals that's probably, you know, one of the very best ways to get kids into hunting for them to see that type of action. Would, would you agree? I definitely would agree with you, man. I mean, one, I mean, yes, you got to be super still once that bird comes into range, but mm-hmm. it's one of those hunts where the kids can whisper to you, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can put a ground blind up, you can pop it up at any time and put it out in the middle of the field, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, something pops up. It's not like a deer. You have to have it all brushed up and everything, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know, I, I'll let the kid like my little boy, if I take him, if he wants to scratch on the call and make some <laughs> God noises on it, so be it. Let him do it. You know? Yeah. And it's just one of them things that, that, I, the interacting with the bird mm-hmm. is, is the best part, especially if you get one that wants to gobble and, and you know strut and do, you know do its oh, thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it, it just makes it so much better. And, and and you know, I'm the same way you're talking about. You know, early '90s. I think it. Well, I'll, I'll never forget it. It was 1991. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like November the 10th, 11th, somewhere along in there. I was at the house that I grew up in, and a hen turkey walked across my yard. Mm. And I was like, holy moly, there's a turkey. We'd never <laughs> seen a turkey. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I, I was, you know, I'm, what is this, you know? And my daddy was here, and he'd come in from across the road, and he was like, you won't ever believe what I've seen. I was like, yeah, I will. You've seen a turkey, I bet. <laughs> he was like, oh, he I was like, well, she was in the yard earlier. And he was like, really? So, long story short, like I said, that was 91. Um, yeah. We did not have a turkey season in Chesterfield County at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunate enough, my daddy knew some guys with the with the government, that the, the guys out on the state ground and government ground, and they were trapping turkeys and, and relocating them in throughout parts of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually got a Jake from them one time one you know a couple of weeks later we got a jake from them and we brought that jake up there to the house and we built this little enclosed pen and kind of put him up there in the woods for a little bit well after about a day or two of him in that pen i was like daddy we got to turn him loose he's gonna kill himself in here you know yeah and so we turned sure enough there he is he took off flying across down through the woods long story short we saw a flock of turkeys the next year in the cow pasture beside my house Oh, oh that nice. is so cool. And I was like, <laughs> well, did the Jake and the hen get together? Did we do what we wanted to do? Well, uh, I think that was 91, so I've been 92. Uh, I think it was like 95. Mm-hmm. We had our first turkey season ever in Chesterfield County. Mm-hmm. Um, not hunt the birds around my house. No one turkey hunted around my house. No one. Mm-hmm. I mean, my daddy didn't care about it. Nobody cared about a turkey around here. But yeah. I had a really good friend of my dad's that that I would consider these two, this husband and wife, as a second parents to me. Mm-hmm. They were not able to have kids growing up, and I was always over there hunting and fishing and doing whatever with them. Well, he loved to turkey hunt, and he mm. carried me turkey out on some federal ground you know state ground out to his refuge where they had some birds okay yeah i got a bird this morning and i got hooked ever since then wow oh yeah 
That's really cool <laughs> to have have that kind of almost full circle now where you're introducing other youngsters to it and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, able to, to get people hooked on it. And <laughs> for you to say that you enjoy hunting turkeys so much is a, is quite a statement because, you know, I think it's for a lot of us, we end up liking the thing that we're the best at, but, uh, you kill a lot of deer too. In fact, uh, I, mm-hmm. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, binged the, uh, um, Buck Ventures Woodsman, uh, two seasons that are on my my outdoor tv and i remember one of your episodes i think the title was save some deer for the rest of us i had a pretty uh i had a pretty phenomenal season year before last uh it was yeah, a good season last year. So. but year before last was pretty pretty exceptional yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, if you're listening and you haven't checked that out yet, you, you will not be disappointed and you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about, but that episode was very aptly named. Uh, and so <laughs> I, I bring it up because if, if Heath says that hunting turkeys, uh, is as enjoyable to him as, as he says, that's, that's really quite a statement because he's, he's pretty much good at whatever he hunts. So that's, uh, it shows you, I think the, the kind of fun, that people can have while turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, uh, it, it, Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I mean, turkey hunting is just different. Turkey hunt. Don't get me wrong. I love to hunt. I'll go by myself and hunt, but to me, turkey hunting is a buddy sport yeah. in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and you get to high five it with your buddies and, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just interaction of be, it's just a, I don't know. It's, something about a turkey that just gets my heart pumping and mm-hmm. i had a guy years ago this guy was a big turkey hunter and, and you know i i asked him to help me guide i'd kind of had some guys that you know uh wanted to come and i didn't have you know some members of ours wanted a guide and i said well can you help us guide and, and yeah and he's like you know i used to love turkey hunting this 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 and that but it just don't make my heart pump anymore mm-hmm. i said well but the, the day that my heart don't pump, whether I'm guiding or hunting for myself, mm-hmm. that's the day I hang. But I got to tell you, boys, the good Lord's probably going to have to have some turkeys up there running around and me and him can <laughs> play with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. So, I'm going to be chasing around up there in the clouds, I hope. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. You know, hunting will, uh, hunting will be, a a different thing if it exists in heaven because there's, there's no death in heaven. Right. So, uh, we, uh, right. We'll, right. we'll have to be equipped with, you know, like, uh, squirt guns or something. To... <laughs> there's, there's, there's gotta be some, there's gotta be some play on redemption, you know, uh, <laughs> resurrection and redemption and everything else. I mean, we can, we can play this into the, to the gospel. It'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I caught a hen years ago and just caught her and turned her loose um my next goal is to try to catch a goblin with my bare hands so you know that's oh, fine as long man. as i can catch them at least yeah I them. right well i'll be i'll be uh looking for the video because <laughs> if if you're if you're putting your uh, mind to that it's gonna happen mm-hmm. oh man no that's that's awesome well, let's uh, let's go ahead and start transitioning here to really the the focus of this, and we're already kind of talking about it. And uh, as as Brandon knows already, I am a total 
uh, <laughs> total inexperienced noob when it comes to turkey season. In fact, last year I wrote an article uh, for uh, my website, firstgenhunter.com, and uh, the, the whole focus of the article was uh, when you are unsure, go. I think that was the title of it. And uh, it was all about the fact that I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to turkey hunting. And uh, last year, um, I just decided, you know what? I'm going to get a tag. I'm going to go to some public ground. and I'm just going to try and, uh, you know, get some experience under my belt. And so I did that twice. I didn't, I didn't really have a ton of time to go do it, but, but uh, I did that twice. And um, I was right in the sense that it was good for me to do because I did learn some, you know, just baseline stuff, even though I didn't lay eyes on a bird. I think I did hear maybe one gobble way off, but, um, you know, I, I did get some of that baseline stuff. So it is super important to, uh, just go sometimes I think, yep. but, yep. Um, I still have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so, so, uh, we brought Heath on, you know, I figured if here's this guy, he guides people, he bags birds all the time. And, uh, you know, I thought we'd kind of start here at the uh, foundational level. And, uh, in fact, I, I'm putting so much of an emphasis on it this year that, um, not only are we bringing Heath on, but there's another guy I know. I figured we get the kind of the, the Southeast, um, uh, side of things as that's, you know, turkey hunting is, is huge down there. But then I'd go to a guy who I know in uh, uh, Wisconsin, uh, I think Western Wisconsin, and uh, uh, get his take on it as well. So we're going to kind of do uh, uh, a couple different episodes of, of turkey hunting this spring that hopefully will be helpful, not just for me, but uh, for anyone else out there who wants to know. But Heath, I think it really, you know, where we, we could probably start at a couple different places, but, but one, I think that is probably a, I don't know, a closed door in a sense, or a hurdle for new hunters. And you actually just kind of alluded this, to this uh, a little bit ago when you talked about how you gave uh, uh, those kids a call and a decoy to use on their own. And that's just having the gear to hunt. And uh, you know, how, how do we, uh, how, how do you break that down? I mean, uh, I suppose you, do you start with the clothing? I, you know, I hear all the time that, that turkeys have such incredible eyesight. Um, so you really got to be, be on your A game with the, the camouflage. I mean, how, how important is that to you? Uh, camo is very important. Um, you know, obviously one, you, you want, you want a good camo pattern. Um, and you want to be camo from head to toe. Okay. Uh, the only thing that's not camoed on me is my gloves. I do like to cut the fingers, you know, middle finger, pointer finger, and thumb. I like to cut the end of them off because whenever I'm running a pot call or whatever, I like to be able to feel my striker. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, that's not a necessity, but uh this is just something i like to do and you you will see a lot of turkey hunters cut it out but i mean i even do it bow hunting just because i like to be able to feel that release and have my fingers there but sure. instead of a bulk sure but uh cam camo is definitely definitely a big part um of it because uh, you turkeys can see turkeys can see uh you know if it's let's just say it's a wide open area if you can see him, he can see you. I don't care if he's a mile away or what. Uh, mm -hmm. They can see you. 
Um, now, when he get, comes in, let's just say he comes in close and he gets up in there close to you. You know, if you're not covered head to toe, if you may, if you blink your eyes at the right time, he'll he'll pick it up. And mm-hmm. the next thing, he's flipping his wings up on his back, or he's putting and he's walking away. You know, I mean, there's just there's so many things that that turkey can do that just one second he's there and the next second he's gonna turn around and leave you. Hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, are you like wearing? So you said you're covered head to toe with only your fingers showing us. So I assume that means you're going with like a face mask or face paint then too. Yeah, I've got my face mask pulled up to where, you know, it's just right under my eyes. And I'm I'm a big person to like to what I like to do, like my hat. I pull my hat down pretty once I feel like that bird's coming. Sure. You know, he he's 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 made me think that he's all right, this bird's fixing to be here in a little bit. You know, he, he's on his way. Which I, I mean, I got my hat down. I got my head net up over my nose or, you know, however, you, whatever style of head net you wear. I like to wear a three-quarter head net because if I'm walking around and just kind of running and gunning, you know, I don't have a full head net on. I can let it drop down around my neck, you know, or a neck gator. Or yeah, something. sure. Then, you know, things get hot. You just reach down there and grab it and pull it up over your nose, you know, and there you are. Um, sure. But I keep my really buried down to where I'm just looking right under the bill of my hat. You know, I'm almost like I'm trying to shade out and, and hide my eyes. You know, mm-hmm. that's yeah. the only you got you gotta move your eyes. You gotta do it. And I think any experienced turkey hunter would tell you when he gets in there close, you know, you don't you you don't sometimes I don't even want to blink. I'll almost close my eyes to where I'm almost squinting sometimes if I know like for instance this morning we had two jakes. It cost us a gobbler this morning. I mean, mm. I, I couldn't get turned. But we had two jakes at five yards this morning for like oh. 10. And the gobbler strutted right around behind us. And, and oh. you know, we, just, we just around. And I mean, that was part of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I knew we moved one little bit that those jakes were going. It was the whole ball game was going to be up. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So now if you're inside of a blind, I assume, I mean, you obviously got to have, you know, your, your, uh, windows opened up on the blind a little bit to be able to shoot through, but, but, uh, are you going to that extent when you're inside the blind too, or, or can you be a little more relaxed then? Um, I wear my face mask in the blind. Um, 99.99% of the time I don't hunt out of a blind unless. I know that these birds are coming to a certain spot and, you know, um, I guide some people that don't understand the meaning of, look, you got to be really still. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll put, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it is, what, I mean, they don't understand when I say be still, I'm no matter, don't even hardly breathe if you can't breathe, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> or if I'm on a big field and, and, you know, obviously I've got a kid like my little boy, um, you know, we'll go get in a blind. So, and, and I guess the reason being is blind hunting is great. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Is it for me? It's not my style. And the reason I say it's not my style is I'm not a big sit in one spot and wait on a turkey. Right. Um, or should you say the scenario of what i would say deer hunting a turkey 
Sure. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is I'm a running gun person. I like to have, I like to find one's not gobbling in this area. I'm going to go find one that I can get fired up and get him cranked up and, you know, get one gobbling doing what he's saying. Now, if things are just not happening. Like for instance, this morning, we only heard that bird. He gobbled one time on the roost, but I kind of knew what this bird was doing and knew where he was going to strut at. So we was, we was on the right mark. He just, got around behind us this morning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but if they're not gobbling you know up in the morning yeah i'll go somewhere and sit where i know i've been seeing turkeys on a field or a food plot or you know in a strut zone in a hardwood ridge or something i'll i may sit for an hour or so but that's about it that's sure. about as long as i can take <laughs> and then i'm up yeah yeah I'm up so, so you're around yeah, so you'll give it that first hour. If you're hearing some activity or whatnot, you'll stay put. But otherwise, you're you're gonna start moving. Yeah, I'm, and and yeah. I don't just go chomping down through the woods. When I say I'm right. going through the woods, my ears are on high alert, and mm-hmm. I am being like a a cat crawling in the night. You know, I'm walking <laughs> pretty slow. Every corner I come up to, I'm glassing, and you know, I binoculars are your best friend when it comes to a turkey now mm-hmm. that's a good tip yes so that that sounds like another piece of gear we need to throw in here then and that that also answered my question about um about uh the blind so uh you know it sounds like you kind of almost have to <laughs> you know you were talking a little bit in teacher talk there heath whether you, you knew it or not uh we we, mm-hmm. we call that an intervention in the classroom <laughs> <laughs> or, an, or or an accommodation is probably a better term yet but uh uh you got to know what your uh abilities and limitations and personality is if you're a real fidgety person then maybe you do need to go with the, the blind it sounds like but uh if you're if you have that ability to uh you know stay still and get into a good good natural cover and you got good camo on sounds like uh from what he's saying here and we'll and we'll get into we'll get into his style of hunting here more later but but it uh, sounds like the blind is not necessary uh but binoculars are i didn't even have that on my list to ask you about yes binoculars uh you know it doesn't matter what hunting i'm doing deer hunting or turkey hunting i, I feel almost feel like i've naked getting out the truck if i don't have my binoculars around my yeah Um, yeah right but hunting especially binoculars have saved me so many times um on a bird that you know you let's just say you you got a little rolling field and it looks flat out there Mm -hmm. you know you're like uh up to stand in that field but then you pick your binoculars up and you start scanning that field, well, what you didn't realize is they might be just a small dip out there in that field for a turkey. If he's down, if he's not in full strut, if he's just down pecking, you can't see him. Sure. Yeah, and the next right. thing you know, you see a little head peek up in the grass out there, and you're like, oh, there's a turkey in that dip out there. Or you're sitting in there, and, you know, let's just say you're in the woods, and you can only see with your naked eye so far, you know, and the bird was gobbling right down there in that bottom. And man, I know he was right down in there. You know, just can't see him yet. Mm-hmm. Pick your binoculars, start scanning really hard. And you might catch just a flicker of a tail fan spin down in there. You know, something you just your naked eye didn't pick up. Sure. 
but that's binoculars they, they will save you big time hmm. that's that, yeah that's a good tip i would have never i mean i'm the same way with with deer hunting i i have to have binoculars with me or or like you said i just feel totally unprepared mm-hmm. but i would not have I would not have thought of that for for turkey. And that's a that's a really good that's a really good tip. I don't know why I wouldn't have thought of it, but for whatever reason, it just did not seem like a necessary thing to me. So that's a that's a huge tip for me there. And I imagine a lot of other people probably uh, could could uh, pick up on that too. But okay, well, uh, what about you know being down on the ground a lot? Are you, I assume you're not bringing like some kind of folding chair with you, you know, like a like a one of those, you know, fold up bag chairs or something like that. Do you, do you wear a vest that has like one of those built in seats on it? Or do you just not care? You just find a, you find a pat, no. patch of grass to sit on. Well, yes, no, I, I've got, there, there's two different things that I, that I would definitely recommend for, um, a, a turkey hunter. One, it, they make a folding turkey chair it mm-hmm. sits very low to the ground it almost sits right on the ground very mm-hmm. comfortable yeah. uh once again if, if this is another option that if you don't want to sit in the blind and you want to sit in the woods make it very comfortable if you're comfortable you will be still mm, that's a big yeah. yeah well said yeah so, and, and this we may get into this on a, on a different subject far as morning hunts, afternoon hunts, or whatever. But a lot of times, if I know I'm gonna go hunt in the afternoon or try to get on a bird midday, where I feel like I know I'm gonna be doing some sitting, um, I'm taking my little turkey lounger chair with me. Now, first thing in the mornings, you know, nine times out of ten, I'm putting my vest on. But you know, that's that's part of the gear. If you want to get into turkey hunting, do you absolutely need a turkey vest? No, you can get one or two calls, put them in your pocket, and go and just carry a cushion with you. Uh, just mm-hmm. something to sit. You don't want to sit on the wet ground. Nine times out of ten, it's good dew in the mornings, and you know you don't want to sit on the wet ground. But yes, my turkey vest has a seat on it, but it's also got call pockets for pot calls and box calls and mouth calls and locator calls, and you know I've got pockets all on that vest to keep everything organized. You know why I'm hunting. Mm-hmm. yeah well that's 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 a good tip there too i see those vests all the time they look they look like they would be a good thing but i always wondered how necessary it was so it sounds like a you know maybe not if you're if you're just starting out you know getting all that gear is just i mean that can be financially overwhelming <laughs> you know to to pick everything up in year one so maybe a year two year three purchase there but something that sounds like uh, if you want to you want to stick with hunting hunting turkeys for a while be worth worth your time and money to uh pick one of those up but i actually have one of those chairs you mentioned uh heath i i uh picked one up Oh, I think it was last spring and a really good friend of mine, actually a guy who's been on the show before, who, who's, uh, kind of nuts about turkeys as well. Mr. Alex Earhart. He, uh, he was, I think he kind of went with some, uh, turkey, you know how they have like those little, uh, I guess they're kind of like, uh, they don't have a back to them. They're just really, uh, inexpensive little canvas, uh, almost looks like a oh, little yeah. stool, yeah. you know? and mm-hmm. yeah just kind of yeah he, yeah yeah he he sat on one of those for a day or something and it messed his back up so bad 
Um, he already had some back issues, but this just like totally, totally, uh, like spiraled him into this point where he could, he could like barely walk for months. Oh, goodness. And you ended up having major back surgery and everything just because the weird alignment it was putting on his spine while he's sitting on that thing all day. And so he actually told me about, he did some research cause he loves turkey hunting so much. He didn't want to give it up. And he found the, probably the exact chair. I would imagine that, that Heath is talking about, if not the exact same style from what it sounds like. And so uh, I picked up one of those as well and they are comfortable. And, uh, I think that's a great tip about, nice. you know, if you're going to, and, and it's the same thing in the deer stand too, right? If you're on a, if you're in a bad deer stand, you're not comfortable. You're in some awkward position. You're going to be like moving nonstop, <laughs> you know, cause you're always trying yeah. to, yep. to readjust. And, and, yeah. and the other thing is too, if you're not comfortable, you can't see well, you know, cause you're, you got to contort into some weird position. So yeah, that's a good tip. I'm glad, I'm glad you, uh, set, you mentioned that about my chair. Cause I would have been sad if I had to give that up for uh better hunting. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, be comfortable. Especially the older you get, the more comfortable you want to be. <laughs> yeah. 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 Good, well good tips. Yep. Yep. Well, Heath, and what are you thinking in terms of, you know, I know obviously, you know, people can go with a gun or the bow, you know, there's obviously certain specifications for, for a bow and the, the amount of room you need and whatnot, you know, in terms of first gen hunter side of things, you know, people getting new into it, what would you recommend, you know, gauge choke, that type of good stuff, you know, depending on what, what people want to do. Uh, I tell you, you know, far as Turkey guns goes, you know, bows, a whole nother aspect of yeah. it. And I've killed a couple of birds with a bow. Um, mm -hmm. I highly recommend the blind if doing that. Yeah. Uh, I tried it just sitting in the chair and it came up short a couple of times, but uh, it's still one of those challenges I want to accomplish. Mm. But um, when it comes to a gun, obviously everybody's got all different kinds of guns out there on the market. There's all different kinds of chokes, all different kinds of great shells. Um, you know, I, I've I've probably not shot a twelve gauge shotgun, and man, I probably hadn't killed a turkey with a twelve gauge in seven or eight years. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. uh, I shoot a twenty gauge. Okay. I just got, I got tired of carrying. Well, I got tired of carrying a heavy twelve gauge all the time. Yeah. And nowadays with the chokes and the shells that are out on the market you can get a good shell and that gun will kill a turkey just as hard and just as far as the 12 gauge will mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. that, uh the past two years i shoot a 410 oh um, that's cool oh wow okay uh, obviously with cva i've been shooting the little cva scout 410 that has a jib choke in it and shooting that new tss shot it is it's something else hmm. i mean it's something i got that bird on the state ground the other day at, at 42 yards and he just wow he, never wow. Even, he went he just flopped right down wow um, that's I, that's I, something there <laughs> I, I think the biggest biggest thing that really kind of probably gets under my skin from any aspect of turkey hunt, turkey hunting to me is you're supposed to be able to get that bird to come in and get close to you right mm -hmm. um 
you know, you, you're supposed to be like in his wheelhouse, should I say? Well, you know, yeah. and, and I'm, I don't want nobody to tell you this the wrong way. I don't want to down any company out there, but you know, you got all these shells hitting the market now. Oh, we can shoot a bird at 70 and 80 yards. Yes. You can probably kill one at 70 or 80 yards with some of these new turkey loads that are coming out in a 12 gauge with a tight choke. Sure. Um, do I ever recommend shooting a turkey at 70 yards? Absolutely not. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't shoot a turkey at 70 yards. There's, there's no way that you could ever convince me of shooting one at 70 yeah. yards. Because my is, even if you're shooting a good shell and a good gun, and, and it's capable of doing it. Yeah. I know, buddy, the other day, he, he didn't think it was that far, but it ended up being 72 yards. He killed one the other wow. day. Wow. Oh, uh, my goodness. And it was with the new... PSS shot and he was shooting at a Jeb's choke out of a 12 gauge. And I mean, he said, man, he said, Heath, I never would have pulled the trigger neither, but, uh, it flattened him. So, I mean, wow. it, it's possible, but that, you know, that's once again, that's my style. I just think yeah. I want, I want that 40 yards and in, or if I can make it great in a perfect world, they're 20 yards and in. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's it. Well, I mean, and that's, that's and that's part of pursuing, you know, turkeys as well. You know, that's part of the fun of the pursuit. You know, it's not a, it's not traditionally a, a long range, you know, game animal. And so part of the fun is getting it in close anyway, you know? Well, yes, absolutely. I, I got to think, I got to think that the meat quality is better if you can, if you can shoot them closer, because then you got more pellets focused on the head than, you know, when, by the time it's out there oh, yeah. 70 yards, you probably got, you know, a lot of straggler pellets that are hitting the breast meat and, you know, legs and, and thighs and everything yep. else. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. One yep. and, and Not, coming from someone who, yep. you know, I mean, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Heath. No, I said, I was just saying, make the comment on that. Downtown at 10, you shoot him where he's supposed to be. There won't be a pellet to first in the breast. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, coming from someone who, you know, I've had my fair share of misses, you know, with, you know, especially early on, you know, not patterning, you know, not knowing really the pattern of the gun that I was shooting different things. I mean, you know, uh, a, a turkey can be an, an easy bird to put down at 20 yards and it can be a real hard bird to put down at 20 yards. If you're, if your gun's not patterned well, if you don't know exactly what you're shooting. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's incredible to hear, you know, people shooting them out that far, but I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's no different than, you know, someone gets a Raven and yeah. Oh yeah. I, I can shoot a deer at 90 yards. I mean, it's like, <laughs> well, there, there's a, there's a big difference between uh can and should, you know, <laughs> and obviously everyone's different, you know, everyone has different levels of ability and all that type of stuff, but there's so many variations that can happen at that, at that type of distance. So it's, that's, that's tough, you know, it is, it is. And, and, you know, you're, you know, you're talking exactly right. If you don't know what your gun's doing pattern wise. Yeah. I mean, I highly, highly, highly recommend if you get a gun and you get a turkey choke, cause these, tur these turkey chokes are so constricted. They, they're holding some tight patterns mm -hmm. that you, and, you know, go out there and get you, I know turkey shells are high, but get you at least two or three different brands. Yeah. And go hit the and, and you know, what I would do is shoot some regular bird shot to see if your pattern is more low or high or, you know, where it's 
kind of hitting that. Yeah. And or if you put a red dot on your gun, you know, get the red dot set up with bird shot and then shoot you some turkey loads because a lot of times at 20 yards, as tight as these patterns are, you're shooting a, you know, three inch, four inch pattern. You know, that's mm-hmm. how tight. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you got to be on them. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a good point. And actually, uh, you can go to, uh, uh, the first gen hunter website again, firstgenhunter.com. And, uh, that was one of the first YouTube videos that I uh, put up on the website was how to pattern a shotgun. And, and, mm-hmm. um, it's super easy to do. And like he said, you know, it's worth spending a few extra bucks on, on trying some, some different ammo too, uh, if you can, just to see how it performs in your gun. And, uh, you know, one other thing with saying that too, Heath, that made me, and we're going to talk safety here in just a, a few minutes when you start telling us, you know, your exact approach for hunting, but, um, Anytime you're shooting, you're hunting with a gun or target shooting with a gun and you have your, you're in the seated position with your feet out in front of you, like in turkey hunting, uh, your, your keep your, your mindfulness of where that muzzle of your, your, uh, barrel is, is pointing. Uh, you need to, uh, really keep that in mind with your feet out in front of you like that. You don't want to, you don't want to be, you know, I've heard of water fowlers, especially in those layout blinds or coffin blinds, you know, they go to like lift their gun up to, uh, you know, have like a, a quick shot, rattle off a quick shot and they get a little excited and they pull the trigger a little too early and they take the tips of their toes off or something like that. You know, that's a, <laughs> that's another, uh, safety thing. You know, I, I yeah. remember when I was, was, was first trying that with turkey hunting, I was, I had that thought like, wow, this isn't like, you know, sitting in a deer stand, you know, like in a regular, you know, sitting in a chair position with, you know, right now I have my feet right out in front of me and uh, I need to be, I need to be aware of that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would, uh, I would suggest that to, uh, and that goes without saying though, too, you know, anytime you're, you have a loaded gun in your hands, you need to be really, uh, cognizant of what, what you're pointing at. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have you ever hunted out west, or maybe thought about going on your first western hunt? Either way, you need to complete applications, navigate every state's processes, and actually end up getting a tag to go and complete your hunt. East to West Hunts with Alex Gruen is your one-stop shop to get the information you need to get the tags you desire to hunt the species of your choice where you want to hunt them. Alex scaffolds his services by offering simple deadline reminders and consultations for DIY hunters all the way up to the deeply involved premium plans that complete all applications and hunt plans for you. He will even send you waypoints on where to camp, hunt, and more if you have his hunt planning services. Memberships for the DIY hunter are as low as $8 a month if you are just getting started, or if you are interested in getting more information, go over to www.alexgruen.com and check out the offerings, or you can give Alex a shout via phone at 720-248-7181. And when you get there, 
be sure you use the code FIRSTGEN10 on the website or reference this podcast when you give them a ring on the phone. If you do, you will receive a 10% discount on any service of your choice. Remember, that's www.alexgruin.com and mention the promo code FIRSTGEN10, all one word, F-I-R-S-T-G-E-N, the number 10, and receive 10% off any of Alex's services. Is there, is there anything else, Heath, that you uh, feel is an absolute necessity for your, uh, your turkey gear? Um, I will give you a brief rundown of what I think if someone was going to go buy stuff, to go turkey hunting, and the very basic thing they need. Sure. Uh, obviously, you need a shotgun. Now, do you need one with a turkey choke in it? No, you can put a factory full choke in it, and you can do just fine. Um, mm. So you need a your caliber. You need some turkey shells. Um, depending on what experience level you are with a collar, if you want to go, if you're not super experienced, I would go get you a push pin call, a box call, or some type of pot call, preferably a slate. Don't mm-hmm. get something with a super hard surface. Uh, they're a little harder to run. Um, then of course you got your mouth calls being the most difficult thing to run. Sure. I would definitely at least get me a hand decoy. Um, just because of certain stages of the game. Um, if it's in your budget, get you a hand and a Jake decoy. Mm-hmm. And that is one thing that I, I guess I'm very big on. Um, don't skimp on, the quality of decoy you get, get something that looks very realistic. Um, There's a lot of brands out there on the market nowadays that are very, very realistic um, turkey-looking decoys. Uh, That would probably be the the main things that I say you would need. That's just the the very basic, basic things that you need to go get in the turkey woods. And I will say it back. Other thing that I would add to it is, um, I don't know that I'd add an owl call for a crow or uh, for a locator call, but I would definitely get a crow call. Oh, okay. Um, definitely put a crow call in your bag on that, and and I can get into some locator call stuff later on. Hmm, that's a really good tip there. I would have never even thought of that. That's that's a uh, that's a that's a high level tip. Something that could really set somebody ahead of the game there. And when you see all those calls too in the store, it is kind of overwhelming. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, rewind this a second and listen to everything that that Heath just mentioned there. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's really good information. Okay. Well, we got our gear, we got our tag. Um, What are turkeys doing during the spring turkey season so you know maybe we can kind of break this down as far as like a you know phases of the season you know where you're looking for turkeys right away if you're doing some scouting uh you know 
you know, let's let's maybe I'm gonna I'm actually gonna I'm gonna kind of pull an audible here. Let's start there. Let's talk about the phases of the turkey season. What's going on in the life of a of a wild turkey um, throughout spring turkey season? Okay, so to start the whole thing off, you know, as as the time flips. And it, you know, the days start, days go shorter, then all of a sudden it changes up. And there's at that certain point right before spring that the days start getting longer. So you, you're getting more daylight. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's, that's going to trigger, that's what triggers the turkey to start gobbling. Okay. Everybody okay. would say, oh, it's the weather, it's this and that. It's the lengthening of the days that triggers a turkey to start gobbling. Um, you know, springtime's coming on, all birds are in their mating season. So what you're going to have first is you're going to have these birds still kind of in their winter flocks. So you're going to see gobblers with a lot of hens. Sure. Toughest bird still. I mean, he's just, you know, especially you get a bird in a field with a bunch of hens, uh, he's tough to kill. So you're, you're going to look at that at the first beginning of the season. Big flocks of turkeys. They're not mm-hmm. going to be scattered. Out. They're going to roost. It. This is your key time. This is your point to kill that turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so early season, 99% of the time, they're going to be in the bigger flocks. They're going to roost in the same area, do the same thing every day for mm-hmm. about a week. You know, week and a half they're going to go to roost in the same general area they're going to go feed in the same general area hmm. so there's you nine times out of ten if I one morning and i do it and and i don't get him killed, i get him killed the next morning because he gave himself up that morning showed me what he was doing mm, um yeah did that with vincent bird this year on, on youth day uh went first morning heard him watched them do what they did uh, next morning went right in there and they done exactly what they did the morning before and boom, we got a bird killed. Wow. Um, so, so, so did you like in a situation like that, did you, you identified you needed to be a like, a little closer to where they were roosting. So you were able to change your setup accordingly. Is that what happened? Uh, they, they were actually, I had watched these birds mid morning mm-hmm. and, and they were doing mid morning. I didn't know what they were doing directly off of the roost. Because I didn't have time to get over there and listen to them directly off the roost. It's just the way things had worked that week while I was at work. And um, so, anyway, long story short, I knew what they were. I knew where they were at at like nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you know, I knew what they were doing then. But so the first morning we hunted, and it, it was really cold that morning for us. It was thirty-four degrees, and that's pretty chilly turkey hunting. And yeah. you know. Year old out there so long story short they he, he was ready to go by nine and i'm not going any kid if they say they're ready to go okay that's fine i'm not going to pressure them to stay in there yeah right so, yeah but these birds were using a little bottom before moving across this field and the next morning instead of going out in the blind that i'd put out in the field we mm-hmm. went straight down the head and got right above that little bottom and mm. uh showing up all came out with all their hens and everything and and another key thing is get in their way get in their way early season and then another tip that if you really want to instead of trying to call 
the gobbler to you. I mean, the whole turkey season, you're reversing nature. Nature is the turkey gobbles to bring the hen to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Be a hen and bring the gobblers to us. Right. Yeah. So there's the first level of difficulty is right there. So, but early season, especially, and this works, this will work on through the season is this is where your Jake decoy or your gobbler decoy will come into big play. They're very territorial at the beginning of the season. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to establish their area of dominance. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, all of a sudden they see a Jake or they see something else with a hen in their territory that hadn't been being there. They're going to come fight. They're going to want to fight. Yeah. And, that that nine times out of ten gets the turkey killed. So we can that was what I would do at the beginning of the season. So you, let's roll on into a little bit now, like where we're at right now, the stage that mm-hmm. we're in, in right now. Anyway, we're in what I call. Uh, let me follow the hens wherever they go. Okay. So they they busted up out of their flocks. They're kind of you know doing their everyday thing the hens are starting to lay an egg some some are you know on that breaking point right now fixing to start laying eggs and all but the gobblers are trailing behind these hens because they're used to hanging out with them all day sure early season these hens laying all they're doing is feeding so these gobblers are used to hanging out with these birds all day long well what's happening now is these hens are going out they're going to roost they're getting off the roost they're pecking around a little bit they taking off and going to wherever their nest is to lay an egg. Well, that gobbler's freaking out. So he's like beelining right in behind her wherever she's going, you know. Sure. And it's tough right now, boys, because a lot of times they just ain't saying nothing, you know. Yeah. But it's fixing times where it ain't going to be long. You can get that bird at 9, 10 o'clock in the morning once he realizes, well, the hens is gone. I need to gobble me another one up, and they're going to go back to gobbling. And you can get them birds midday cranked up. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I've seen that here lately. But now there's starting to be some single birds go to roost. Gobblers by themselves. Once they start getting by themselves on the roost, that's when you start hearing the boys killing turkeys right off the roost. You know, like we did yesterday right. morning with them four. So, uh, sure. you know, that's kind of the phase you're in now. Okay. Uh, I think. And then you got the full-blown nesting. All your hens go on to the nest. Let's just say 80% of the hens have laid their clutch of eggs. They're nesting full time. And that's when it's time to kill them. Gobblers are lonely. They're looking for love. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that's, that's the prime of the prime. I always tell everybody around here home, uh, Somewhere, give or take, around that third week of April is probably some of the best turkey hunting there is. Huh. As long as you know, boogers your birds up. I'm very easy on a bird. Sure, um, yeah. Depending, and, and the reason I say that is, you know, I've got to hunt every day. So I, I'm easy on my areas. I don't call a lot. A bird can get very call shy very quickly if you call a lot. Hmm. Um. I guess probably the number one tip I would give to a turkey hunter, mm. the very number one tip I would give to a turkey hunter, less is more. Mm. Mm, that's a good tip. 
That's big. That's big. That's, you know, I think that's really big because, you know, as, uh, you know, whether you're a new turkey hunter or a new deer hunter, you know, first gen hunter, I mean, you, you know, you're like wondering how much do I do this is, you know, that's tough, you know, especially too with turkey hunting, because, you know, you might call a little bit and you hear a gobble and you're like, Oh, more, I need more, you know, I mean, it's easy to think like that, you know, when you're new to things. Yes, sir. Uh, that bird, let's just, let's, let's put it in this scenario. Um, let's say I'm sitting there in the morning, um, and on a typical morning, let's just say we're going to, we're going to an area that we know there's birds in the area. We don't know exactly where they're roosted at, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're going to hunt. So I go get in that area. I try to figure out where a high point is, you know, somewhere where I can get on some high ground where I can hear a lot. I can hear, you know, cover a lot of ground. Yeah. I'm not a big, I'm not a big locator guy, you know, blow an owl call, you know, all that. I'm just, that's just my forte. I don't like doing it. I like Mm -hmm. the birds to wake up on their own, uh, start gobbling on their own, do their thing. He gobbles. He gobbles, mm-hmm. all right? This bird in that direction. I'm going to see how hot this bird is because there may be something somewhere else get cranked up. But if he gobbles a second time, I'm putting a plan together to go after that turkey. Mm-hmm. Huh. I okay. get to where I want to be. I sit down. I don't want to get too close to him, you know, because I don't want him to see me on the limb. Yeah. Now he's gobbling good on the limb. If he's gobbling good on the limb, the only thing I may do to that turkey is lightly, very ever so lightly, give him a couple of clucks mm. and one or two tree yelps, and then I hush to him. If he gobbles back at me doing that, I don't say another word to him because what he's going to do is sit up there on that limb mm-hmm. and gobble to him or cause a hen up, and then he's going to fly down to her. Um, yeah. I'll give him a little while. If I know it's fly down time, I take my hat off my head. If you're not super close to him and he's like you know you think he's gonna see you do this yeah. i'll take my hat off head and you can actually beat your hat on your leg and it'll sound like the wings of a turkey flying down mm, okay. okay that's a good little tip okay okay well this this is really good because you know and you know when you're new to turkey hunting you know I think a lot of guys, you know, out there, you know, you do a little research on turkey hunting, you know, guys, you know, are going to get a box call or they're going to get, you know, something, one of the, like you were mentioning, you know, one of the more simple calls to, to, you know, I personally really like a box call. My brother's pretty good with a mouth call and, you know, and, and whatnot, but you know, you, 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 you get into your spot, you know, maybe you've been able to locate some birds the evening before you kind of roughly know where they're where they're roosting so you get in you kind of get set up and then you hear a gobble if you're hearing mm-hmm. a gobble within i mean if you're hearing a gobble within a couple hundred yards are you staying put or are you are you moving a little bit to you know pre-light to get a little closer um no depends on my terrain and, and what's going yeah. on yeah like yeah let's just take for instance yesterday morning those birds were 350 yards from us and yeah. they come off of the roof they started gobbling the first time they gobbled was 627 we pulled the trigger at 655 oh wow um, okay i mean a turkey can cover some ground in a hurry yes. yeah i ready. guess so man yes right um so you know it, it just all depends if 
I would say a 150 yard radius of that turkey mm-hmm. is his wheel. Yeah. You can get within 150 yards without him seeing you. This mm-hmm. morning, we was probably 100 yards from the bird. We actually had the two jakes this morning. They never said anything. And when I beat my hat, I heard some wings, and literally these two jakes flew and landed at 20 yards from us. Oh, man. Wow. Nice. <laughs> man. <laughs> Well, and from what I'm hearing here, this, this sounds like, you know, probably the difference between someone like me, who's brand new at this, you know, when I walk into the Turkey woods, first of all, I'm not even sure I'm in the Turkey woods, (laughs) 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 but, uh, but, uh, you know, so I'm not super confident where, where I'm starting out. And so if I have that situation, like Brandon just mentioned, where, you know, if I were to hear a gobble way off then it's probably makes a little bit more sense for a guy like me to abandon my post and try and move a little closer. Whereas for Heath, he knows the behavior of these birds. He chose where he's going to be based on the fact that he knows that's, that's a good, that's a good Turkey hunting spot. You know what I mean? And so, so for, for Heath to hold tight is probably not the same as me holding tight, you know, because I, you know, I, I just don't know where, where these, these birds are, are going to be. So I would say that that, would you agree with that Heath? That that's something that probably evolves a little bit as you get more experience, you know, when to stay and when to go. Yeah, it does. And, and like I said, man, every bird is going to be different. Sure. Yeah. You got birds be hot. You got birds that's going to mm-hmm. be mediocre. You got birds that's going to give you what I call that courtesy gobble every now and then. You got yeah. the, the, the big in, a, in the turkey hunting woods, whether to get up and move is to read the gobble. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's just say I give him a cluck and a yelp and, and he cuts me off, you know, mm-hmm. immediately. Bop, 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 blah, 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 blah. He gobbles. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, he's pretty hot. So I, yeah. let's just say I called him one time. He gobbles right back. Don't say nothing to him for a little while. If he gobbles two or three times on his own, I I've really got this bird's attention. I go, I yeah. call to him again. Sure. He's cut the distance. He sounds like he's gotten closer to you. Mm-hmm. Don't move. Mm. Don't move. Yeah. That's a really good tip. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, if he sounds not that's high level or if he's staying in, in the same area, then you may want to adjust things a little bit and move around and try to get to where, cause the Turkey's got his strut zone. Every, every Turkey's got where they want to go mid morning and strut. Mm-hmm. Sure. Whether it be a road bed, ridge, somewhere, they got somewhere that they're looking to go that morning off the roost, get there and strut. The best thing a, a turkey hunter can find and sit on if the birds are not gobbling is find somewhere where he found strut marks in the road or strut marks, mm. you know, in some areas or dirt area, you know, and just know where those strut zones are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a good tip. Yeah, let's 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 kind of start channeling our conversation there a little bit as far as as far as <laughs> finding the turkey woods, so to speak. And uh, you know, we we've been talking here a lot about roosting, and I've heard guys, you know, almost bemoan or or maybe even complain a little bit about how, oh man, I I uh, you know try tried finding the roosting tree the night before, so I figured it. I figured I had them. Uh, uh, you know, I had the code cracked on this flock and I was going to be in the right spot the next morning. And then, then they weren't there or they didn't use the same tree 
that I saw them use the day before they didn't use it, uh, you know, the next day or whatever. So I've, I've gotten, you know, I've heard some people talk about how turkeys can be kind of unpredictable with stuff like that. Is, is there a specific type of tree that somebody should be looking for in order to, to locate a good roosting tree? Or is it, is it, uh, you know, is it, is it pretty arbitrary or, or, you know, uh, could, could, uh, go, you know, they could choose any tree to roost in or, or are they really looking for some specific features? Uh, tree, I wouldn't necessarily say, I mean, I've seen them roost in, you know, pine trees, oak trees, you know, whatever. I've seen them roost in all kinds of trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say they're looking for a certain tree. What they are looking for is something that is easy to pitch up into. Okay. Um, let's put it this way. If you have any kind of creeks or creek drains, low areas with some big timber in them, mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, three turkeys are going to be roost to that. Uh, they okay. like to get up on the side of a hill right out into the top of the trees down in the bottom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're going to roost we'll go let's go to Noel's area out in Iowa and all yeah you, know, you got all these big hardwood drains between these big fields well it's easy for the turkeys to pitch up into them they can pitch up to them you know right in the edge of the uh field right but nine times out of ten if you have some sort of creek drain river any some sort of water source around that has big timber around it Mm-hmm. That, that's where they're going to be roosted at. Okay. Whatever reason, they like roosting them low areas around the creek drains and all. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's that's a that's a really good tip. That's that narrows things down big time, especially in a state like Iowa that has such little timber, you know. And and yeah, uh, well, you can sure. kind of cross your list off pretty good there. Yep, our birds this morning, one of the ones this morning, well, actually, the two jakes and the gobbler, uh, the gobbler was probably literally roosted on the riverbank. Oh, wow. And one jake was probably roosted 15 yards off the riverbank, and the other one was probably 50 yards up in in the, you know, off the river. But we Mm -hmm. was on a bluff river. Hmm. That's... That's a, that's a really, that's a, that's a great place to start. That helps, uh, that helps narrow that down. And I suspected they would, they would probably like being around water just because, I mean, that's a resource that they need, but that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense too, because I do know that turkeys are not the most graceful in flight <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and, uh, it's kind of like a flying basketball, but, uh, <laughs> th- they, they, uh, probably do that you know like you know like you're saying that makes sense that they they would want to have plenty of room to be able to maneuver and and come down and get up into the tree easily and and things like that so uh, that's that's a that's a good practical way to look at it okay well now so we know we need water we know we need uh like we were just saying here the the you know nice clear areas when the birds are on the ground are they going to be spending most of their time so you mentioned these strut zones and and so forth are they going to be establishing a lot of that right near a a food source and if so what kind of food source or is it is it just 
simply nope it's it's whatever is close to their their roosting area that you know whether it be food or just uh you know a, a good travel area or, or something like that well you know turkeys obviously is going to scratch the woods apart and mm-hmm. wherever they areas they like there's going to be oak flats or out in a cornfield or a bean field or whatever but they're not going to spend all day in that field you know, it's yeah. not going to happen sure um they're going timber most of the time a turkey's loafing area what i would say is some kind of oak flat or you know some kind of opening in the timber not necessarily mm-hmm. you know open you know a, a good open area they're not going to get into tickets and stuff like that turkeys just they're that's not what they're going to do too many predators yeah. are after sure so they're going to get in some kind of area where they can kind of get out of the elements and just hang around you know and scratch and pick bugs and seeds and you know what all turkeys they eat they got a variety of stuff they eat they'll eat grass seeds off the grass heads clover bugs you know uh chufa if you plant in a food plot for chufa the two two things that i would plant for turkeys would be a clover plot which benefits all wildlife Mm -hmm. um you're maintaining really wanting to plant something just for turkeys plant chufa Chufa's the best thing in the world. I mean, it's like turkey gold. Huh. They like to dig it up. Interesting. The same thing is, you know, around here, we got a lot of nut grass in some of the fields. Um, they'll dig that nut grass up and eat the nut off the bottom of it. So, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff for turkey to eat, but they're going to be out in the field early morning, late afternoon, scratching around doing what they're going to do, but then they're going to go back in the timber and be, you know, in some of them bottoms and, you know, little open areas in the timber just scratching around looking for stuff yeah so so during uh like midday are you changing your approach based on that or is it is it an act in futility to try and to try and get a turkey midday in the when they're scratching around in the timber uh yeah absolutely My, you know i change from morning to, to to midday if i'm if i'm trying to strike a bird at that 10 o'clock to hour uh you know through the middle of the day i'm looking in some of these hardwood drains or you know somewhere somewhere where it's shaded uh you'll definitely if you'll really pay attention to this especially you know on up in the morning if things start warming up and it starts getting hot um a turkey's not he's gonna look for the shade Mm -hmm. (laughs) sure i've seen them in a field before they'll be on the shade side of the field and I've even had them before where they've gobbled their full heads off and will not step out of the shade. You have to get in his shade in, and then he'll come to you. Hmm. I mean, I, I've seen it. And that's another wow. tactic once you, you go back to those phases of the season. When you get on that, let's just say that last week of the season, the birds are bred, the hens have nested, some of the hens may even hatched already. And you still got a few of these gobblers that want to gobble. Well, a lot of times what he's doing, he's going off the limb. He's going to gobble a little bit in the morning. And then he's going directly to wherever his shady hole is. That he's uh, out there in the yeah. Middle. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 That's, that's super helpful to be able to pinpoint that. Okay. Well, so, so they're spending time in food change their schedule up throughout the day which makes sense you know just from a a general hunting sense you know that's what that's that's the way most critters are they're not 
they're not, uh, you know, doing the same thing all day long. And so, uh, that's, that's pretty easy to, to keep in mind there. But, um, uh, what about, um, uh, you know, these, these, uh, strut zones, can you kind of, you mentioned that earlier, like some muddy areas can sometimes be good for that. You know, one thing I see on TV a lot, which, you know, of course we know everything on TV is 100% uh, reality, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, uh, it always seems like, you know, you got these like nice green grassy lanes. So they're probably picking at insects or, you know, some of those, some of those other seeds or something that you, you mentioned, but do those, do those, you know, it could be like maybe a fire lane down in your area in areas of bigger timber yep. or, uh, you know, around here, it's probably going to be like a, a right away for, uh, power lines or something like that. Are, is, is that like what would be a good strut zone, something like that, or, or, uh, not really. Yeah. So, so just say for instance, we went by one today. Um, and it's just a logging road. It's kind of, there's a pretty straight stretch on this logging road. Sure. And it's on a ridge. Nine times out of 10, your strut zones are going to be somewhere. Think of it like this. The bird goes to this strut zone and let's just say his strut zone may be 50 yards long or it may be a hundred yards long. He's going to go strut to one end. He's going to spin around and he's going to strut to the other end of it. And that's where he's going to spend a portion of his morning, a pretty good portion of his morning. Okay. But what he's doing, he's up there strutting around, waiting on his hens to get there. You know, right? What what he's trying to do? Nine times out of ten, they're on some higher ground. Okay. Uh, they're you know, if you're in the mountains, they may be on a bench. You know, on the side of that mountain where there's a you know a nice little spot that he can be seen and he can be heard from. Yeah. So that's why you see them a lot of times on road beds. Um, sure. Real. You know, obviously, if you're in the woods, you're not going to see the strut marks, but <clears throat> excuse me, guys. No problem. Um, but the, uh, you know, around here, we get a lot of them will be on a roadbed, so I can see see marks where they drug their wings in the roads and stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So now I'm going to guess then that if they're trying to be seen like that, they're trying to bring their hens in, that's probably a good time of the day to really be uh utilizing the uh locator call right yeah you know um i guess it was probably last wednesday we had a bird and and this is one scenario i did happen to have no right where these birds were roosted at and roosting ain't always roasting boys because i just knew good and well that we was going to kill this bird straight off the limb Mm-hmm. <laughs> watched, watched him fly out on this little hardwood and i figured he would have flew out and and landed on this little hardwood ridge well he yeah. actually flew into the bottom pitched out landed on the side of the ridge walked through the bottom and got up with another gobbler and hen that was over there huh. left a hen that was up there by us to go over there to them but anyway oh, long story um you know, this turkey, they went to a little roadbed, and, you know, I learned something that day, that he went over there to a little roadbed, him and that other one, and I could hear him over there strutting back and forth. You know, they would gobble one time, and they'd be, you know, up here about 50 yards. Next time he'd gobble, he'd be down at the other end at 50 yards. But 
they were just in a spot that I couldn't make a move on them. I had to wait yeah, for them to right. walk off, and we made a move on them. And sure, long story short, they but get one of them killed. But I'm gonna get one of them killed. <laughs> trust yep. me we believe you yeah we do <laughs> that's a that's that's kind of like uh, and, uh, cole, cole young deciding he's going to go after a buck that's a bad day to be that yeah. buck <laughs> you're right right <laughs> oh man no that's that's all that's all great information well you know as we uh kind of you know get close to the the end of this interview here I do want to take a time. We've been hearing bits and pieces of how you're you're handling these situations. Um, you know, we're working in here with some of the turkey biology stuff and behavior stuff that that turkeys are up to. Um, but you did mention earlier in the show that your style of hunting you you don't really prefer to be hunting from a blind. You like to do as 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 you define it. And I've heard other guys use this term too, run and gun kind of style. Um, Mm-hmm. which I suppose if somebody's wondering what that means, because I remember when I was, you know, first getting into hunting, I'd hear people talk about this run and gun style of hunting and I wasn't quite sure what it means, but uh, I would suppose it's probably kind of a, a cross between uh spot and stock and also uh, the, the, you know, more older uh, style of hunting, which is still hunting, which sounds like you would just be sitting in a blind or in a tree stand or something, but still hunting is, is you're, you're up moving around, but you're, you're going very, very, uh, slow and methodically through the woods and stopping and, and listening and, and looking and observing, you know, and w- would you agree with that? Like running guns, kind of a, kind of a mix of those two things. Maybe you've laid eyes on something you're trying to get closer or you're just trying to get up and locate some activity. Yes. Yeah. I would, I would say it's more of that style. Um, I say once again, you know, I don't mind sitting for a little while in a spot. Um, but if I'm sitting in that spot and something gets the goblin off, I'm getting up and I'm gone, you know, sure, yeah. or I'm yeah. trying to strike one, you know, I'm I'm trying to cover some ground just, and it all depends on where I'm hunting at and, and, and what's going on for the morning. You know yeah. I mean? We'll, we'll use this morning as, Perspective. I done a little more setting this morning than I did running and gunning, just because I knew this bird had done went around behind us, and I kind of made a big loop around it, and I kind of knew about where he'd been going, and you know they was not got. We had a pretty good storm last night come through, and you know it. Turkey's had a rough night last night here, and so they were probably just kind of sluggish today, and that's the reason they didn't gobble a bunch. Hmm. But um. So, you know, that being said, my style of hunting was a little different today. Um, now, I did sure. run a gun a little bit there at the end, you know, just to see if we could strike one in some other areas, but, uh, you know, it didn't happen. So. Sure, sure. Okay, so, so uh, you know, kind of letting the, the birds, sounds like, and, and this has been consistent throughout the interview here, kind of letting the, the birds tell you what you need to do, which I think is a really smart way of hunting. And, uh, you know, you can, you can apply that to, you know, a lot of different ways of hunting really, you know, let the, let the, uh, animals kind of, kind of guide us a little bit as far as, uh, their, their level of activity and stuff. But, um, what, what about, you know, let's say you got somebody that goes out, maybe they're on 
uh, some public land, you know, kind of, you know, this, this is starting to sound like me here again <laughs> on some public land. And uh, they're, they're trying to put this stuff together. They may have gotten an area that seems like a good roosting area. And, uh, you know, they're, they're on like a preferred uh, food source. There may be spotting some of that strut zone uh, sign. And uh, they've, they've been careful not to call too much, but they've done some locator type calling or maybe done a few clucks, you know, to try and uh, get, get a gobbler's attention, but it's just not turning into anything. You know, what, what then? What what would you recommend? Is it is it a big of a deal of, you know what? Maybe maybe there's just so much pressure on that ground within the last couple of days that you need to go to a different area altogether, or you need to sit tight, trust the sign, and wait it out. I mean, what what do you do when nothing else is working? If the turkeys are not talking. Put your butt time in. <laughs> and, 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 and that's a simple fact. That's where I, you know, turkey hunting's not supposed to be deer hunting. Yeah. Me. Sure. But when the are not talking, the worst thing you can do is go walk down through the woods and do a bunch of calling and yelling every five minutes and, you know, mm. running bridge and call. Now, don't get me wrong. I may walk some and call a little bit here and there, but I'm not just steadily calling, trying to get something to, you know, blowing on a call or right. calling yeah. on a look, whatever. Um, yeah, that's good. To, that's I good to know. To, and we'll, we'll put this on. It doesn't matter if it's private ground or public ground. There's a little difference between the two, but I try to get somewhere where I know the turkeys have been. I've found a lot of scratching. Where okay. I know they're, you know, hanging the day. I try to get somewhere where I can see a pretty good ways. Uh, if I'm on private ground, I'll probably put a decoy or two out, Jake and a hen, um, or just a hen, you know, just whatever you've got. But I would probably put a decoy out, and I would call very little. If the turkeys are not talking. You don't need to talk about it. Hmm. Yeah. Good tip. Pluck, pluck and purr. That's really all you need to do. Maybe a light yelp every now and then. And I probably wouldn't call, but ever 20 minutes or so. And I'd do a yeah. little scenario. Be done. Mm-hmm. Um, why do your calling scenarios? Drag you some leaves up beside you. Scratching the leaves. You want to be as realistic as you can possibly be. That's why I say beating your hat on there when you're flying down in the morning. Yeah. Because um, I can promise you, he can hear all that. I've called yeah. turkeys up before and do nothing but scratching the leaves. Wow. Wow. Never call, never do anything, especially wow. you get a call shy public ground bird. Right. If you get a bird that's been messed with on public ground, you got to dig deep in your bag of tricks to get him killed. Mm-hmm. Um, one. Mm-hmm. Boys, you're not going to use a fan decoy. You know, you're not going to, you know, you just, those are no-nos on public ground in, in my book. Sure. Um, plucking and purring at him. And if you got some leaves to scratch in, scratch in the leaves and act just like a hen. A lot of times he cannot resist that. He is going to have to come check it out. Um, huh, that's I a great tip. 
all season long. I hunted them from day one to the end of the season. This has been a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. These two birds is out pasture, and every time I went over there in the afternoons, because I do a lot of afternoon hunting for myself because I'm guiding in the morning. Right. These yeah. two particular birds were out in that cow pasture every afternoon, and they would not come. You know, <laughs> one afternoon. <laughs> Go to the other end, and we just play cat and mouse all year long. And I'm hunting these birds twice a week. Yeah, <clears throat> I cannot get these birds killed. I killed them. All, I killed one of them on the last day of the season, and the only thing I did was scratching the leaves at him. Wow, wow, that's, that is crazy. That's cool. You, you know, that's that's a great point. That I, I don't want anyone to miss out on what what Heath is saying there because. You know, when, what, what, whether it's deer, whether it's turkeys, whether it's, it's pheasants or, or quail or something, when you see somebody who's finding a method that works on pressured public land, that's something that you need to put in your bag of tricks because, uh, I mean, that transfers to a situation where, you know, you might be like our buddy, Jeremiah Haas, who, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, Brandon, but he had uh, been, been, uh, getting this piece of private ground he'd been hunting for a few years all ready to go and then the day before the the season started uh it sold and closed uh yeah. right yeah, out from under so him sad. and now yeah and now he's back on public land so you might end up in yeah. that situation you may have dreams of doing the alex gruen thing or our buddies up there in minnesota from fly true productions where you're wanting mm-hmm. to go do an out-of-state public public ground thing because you don't have access you don't have connections to private ground out of you know in that mm-hmm. state you know mm-hmm. some of that secondary calling stuff because of of what uh, that's just general animal behavior you know they're adapting to us they're they're learning yeah. what hunters are doing and if they're going to stick around they have to and so some of that secondary calling uh is probably actually you know even on a day if the birds were talking a lot more effective than some of your primary calling methods. And, uh, you know, I've, I've heard other guys mention that before, uh, for instance, you know, another really vocal animal elk, um, there's a, a guy who, um, you know, is just huge in the hunting industry, probably one of the best hunters out there really, uh, just from a, a talent perspective, he, uh, had a similar thing to what Heath was just mentioning with these, these stubborn toms. He had a bull elk that he couldn't get, to uh to like commit to him he was talking back and forth with him a little bit but he just would not he would not leave his position and finally what he figured on doing was uh taking his nalgene bottle and he slowly started pouring his water out of his uh his nalgene bottle on the ground to simulate an elk uh taking a leak you know marking his territory and uh that big old dominant bull just could not stand the sound of Mm. another bull doing that in his his area near all of his cows and uh that instantly brought him over and uh, he ended up killing the elk but it wasn't because of his bugling it wasn't because of his his uh you know, his cow call or anything like that is because he found that secondary, uh, as, as he's been saying, you know, way to just sound like an elk, or in this case, find a way to just sound like a turkey and, uh, make it more realistic. You know, that's, that's some high level stuff that can, uh, uh, yeah. you know, seal the deal for you on, on a place that's really so, tough to, 
to get it done. So that's uh, that's some great information there, Heath. Now you mentioned this a little like, bit. You, you said you wouldn't use a fan on public ground. Can you kind of explain that a little bit? One thing is you don't never know who's on public ground hunting. Mm, yeah. And a turkey, you know, if you've got a fan, uh, now if I'm hunting on private ground, I, my fan goes with me before any decoy will go with me. Sure. Mm. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's always with me because I have seen that thing save you uh, a lot of times. But public mm-hmm. ground, no, no, no. Uh, reason being is you've got that fan decoy in your hand. You're on the ground. Right. You're looking like you're right behind it. Somebody ain't paying attention to what they're doing. And whoa, whoa, they see a strutter. Boom. They shoot. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. You know, they just, that's just, a, that's a recipe for disaster, you know, on public ground. Yeah. So uh, you that's just a... got to go old public ground, no decoys. Some people use a decoy and put decoys out, you know, you know, like a hen or something. But I just, me personally, I, I don't use any decoys on public ground at all. Wow, sure. Okay. That's. Um, I, I don't like to. Yeah. Yeah. It's not not worth it. To, not worth it to be in that bad situation. So, yeah, so, so, so here's something that I'm glad we're talking about this. I had it in my notes that, to bring this up. So with, with the safety side of things, you know, I never really thought about this until, <laughs> uh, I can't remember if it was, I saw a video where somebody was calling and next thing you know, they, they picked up a few pellets in their shoulder or something like that from another hunter, you know, 50 yards away or something, uh, or, maybe it was just when I was putting my hunting gear on to go turkey hunting, it kind of just dawned on me. It's like, I don't have any blaze orange on because I don't have to wear any blaze orange, uh, during turkey season. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of unique, you know, of course, duck season, you don't have to either, but everyone's aiming in the air or, you know, unless you're out doing the backstroke stroke in the middle of the, uh, backwaters of the Mississippi (laughs) river here, (laughs) you know, during duck season, you're probably pretty safe, but turkey season, you're hunting on the ground. Everyone else is hunting on the ground and they're shooting at things on the ground. You know, you're, you're easily in the line of fire and without any of that blaze orange on, I mean, you, you just look like another thing in the woods. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, you gotta really be cognizant of that. Um, you know, if you're hunting public ground, so, uh, that's a, that's a good yep. tip, good tip. Uh, you know, obviously let's just, the other afternoon, the first afternoon that I, well, no, the second afternoon, the afternoon I killed my bird, I went to an area, there was no vehicle, and it, this is another thing, there was this public ground, I didn't see, you know, and I'm bad about, if I know I'm a hunter area, I'll kind of ride around that area and see if yeah. I see any cars parked. Mm, if yeah. I see any cars parked, I go somewhere else. Well, I right. rode this area, see any vehicles parked, nowhere. So I pulled in, the, you know, at this gate, got out. I made, you know, five, six hundred yard trek across to where I wanted to get to was at the back corner of this little field. And it was kind of, I had looked on Onyx and, you know, there was a, a big swamp in there and it kind of made a little peninsula in the trees. And, you know, it, I knew there was turkeys been in there in the past and, you know, I hadn't hunted out there in a long time, but I knew that was a good area for him. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I got 
there that afternoon and you know i was kind of looking slowly taking my time and glassing a lot and you know i'm planning on going there and put my butt time in you know (laughs) (laughs) i i heard something and i you know i kind of keen my ears into it and i heard it again it it was a crow call and and, you know Mm. i don't care how good you are 99% 99% of the time, if you listen well enough, you can tell. You, there's, there, there'll always be a little distinguish of something that you're like, eh, that ain't a, that ain't a crow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think that's a crow. So I picked my binoculars up, obviously, and I really started glassing in that area. And I spotted a decoy. I just mm. I, I immediately turned around. I walked right straight back to my truck. But. You know, I don't even think the guy ever acknowledged that I was even there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hadn't talked, I hadn't done anything, you know, just, I heard him. Needless to say, as I was walking out, he was about to blow the reeds out of that turkey or that crow call. So, (laughs) 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 but, uh, anyway, (laughs) no, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a really important point, and you know, doesn't matter. Uh, at the end of the day, if you aren't able to stay safe, it does not matter how how good of a hunt you have. You know, you, your health and 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 uh, safety is just not worth risking it for for even the you know biggest gobbler for the, the state state record gobbler. You know, not yeah. not worth sacrificing safety and. I will say this too, even though I don't know much about turkey hunting, I have heard enough interviews, seen enough videos of people who have been shot while turkey hunting that, yeah. uh, it's, yeah. it's, uh, yeah. something you don't, you don't want to play around with at all. So I know it's kind of doom and gloom here that, that we focus on it, uh, so much, but, you know, being a first gen hunter, that's, that's something that is, is you know, that's the foundation of it all. That's why you have to take hunter safety yeah. before you can even buy a tag. You know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta be able to, to operate, uh, you know, safely in the field in order to, to get out and take care of business. So yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's great information there from Heath and a good story to, to kind of illustrate that point. Well, as we, uh, uh, wind down here, do you have any, uh, any good, good uh recipes that you'd recommend here heath once you got a bird on the ground um yeah i love wild turkey so i, I will say about a turkey though not nine you know the the legs and the thighs on a wild turkey are pretty tough sure. and there, there's mm-hmm. some different generally you know you keep the legs and the thighs i would uh really really slow bake them or boil them or do something like that and you know make some turkey salad okay. uh, mm-hmm. if, if you want um or do it like a turkey pot pie oh yeah right uh, and use that dark meat for that mm-hmm. it, it tends to do better for that now the breast meat um obviously i've cut the silver skin off of it and, and you know you can treat it obviously just like chicken you want to but Probably some of my favorite ways is, you know, cut it up in nuggets and deep fry it and make turkey nuggets. Oh, man. Um, there you go. Yeah. If you want to get a look, that's probably the easiest and simplest way. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to get a fancier, uh, I'll take mine and cut it up in nuggets, 
put a little bit of seasoning on it of your choice. Doesn't matter. Put it in a saute pan with a little bit of uh, olive oil, or whatever, and just as you know, it doesn't take long to cook it. Okay. Um, mm, you know, just mm-hmm. as soon, you know, white all the way through, it's done. But just before it's done, take honey and drizzle honey over it, and kind of glaze it oh, with the honey. Oh man! Really, really. You can make a salad and put it on top of a salad. You know, whatever you want to do. Um, so you can make turkey salad out of it. You can grill it. Uh, grilling it is probably one of the better ways too. Sure. And I, I usually take mine. I'll take, let's just say one half of the breast. Mm-hmm. I'll cut it across the grain twice. Okay. And then I'll clean my skin off and then I'll wrap it really good with some bacon, uh, mm. some good bacon. And I'll put it kind of, I usually cook it kind of on what I would say indirect heat. I'll put it straight over the heat and kind of almost get the bacon done, and mm-hmm. then I'll set it up heat and shut the lid on the grill and just kind of let it cook on the indirect heat for, you know, the remainder of the time of being done. Mm-hmm. And then slice it, um, you know, across the grain, slice it up, and then drizzle a little sauce on it of your preference, whether it be barbecue sauce or honey mustard sauce or, you know, wh- whatever's your preference, you know, mm-hmm. you may want to dip in. Or you don't even have to. That sounds so good right now. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> hey, had fried turkey nuggets the other night, and uh, we had some leftover ones. And the next day for lunch, I had fried turkey nugget tacos for lunch. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I've had. Yeah, I heard. I heard somebody else mention those turkey nuggets several years ago, and I have not been able to shake that thought from my head. I think that's my. Mm-hmm. That's my main motivation to go turkey hunting is I want some turkey nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> they're good, man. They're good. Yeah, man. Now, so now, Heath, any considerations for the the taxidermy side of things? You know, you get a big Tom down and you know, any, anything for the first gen hunters out there to consider? Um, you know, there's several ways. If you want to mount the whole bird, mm-hmm. um, I highly recommend if you don't absolutely know exactly what you're doing, take the bird, stuff a paper towel in his mouth, mm-hmm. wrap a paper towel around his head, put his head in a Ziploc bag and seal it up, you know, as far as you can seal it up. Yeah. Um, what that does is keep any blood from, you know, running out of his mouth or anything like that while he's in the freezer uh, yeah. before he gets froze. Put him in a trash bag, put him in the freezer, call your mm-hmm. taxidermist and get you when you can. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you want to do something a little simpler, tail fan mount. Mm-hmm. You simply reach the back of the turkey where you feel that joint where his tail re- touches his body, cut his tail fan off there. Okay, that's easy. A enough. lot of people. This is where a lot of people will mess up with their beard. They'll try to just snatch the beard off or they'll cut it too short. And then mm-hmm. next thing you know, you hairs. I yeah. always like to come just a smidge above their beard where that little white line is. Yeah. And cut them off. Okay. And then I cut my feet off joints. I put it in a bag called a taxidermist. If you want your taxidermist to do your tail fan mount mm-hmm. or yourself tail fans are easy to do you just need to fan the stuff out you make sure you scrape all the meat off of it mm-hmm. get all the meat you can't offer that tail fan mount 
fan the tail out, lay something heavy on each side of the bottom tail fan, you know, so it keeps it fanned out. Mm-hmm. And get you, I usually do a borax salt mixture. Sure. Mm-hmm. Leave that on them for a little while uh. until it dries that tail fan out, you know, really good. And then, you know, you can buy all these different tail fan mount boards and mm-hmm. put the tail fan on there. On there sure. Stuff. Well, that's, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's really good information. And, uh, you know, you want to, you want to, of course, get the meat out of it as well. So, you know, be take care of that too. Yep. Now, do you try when you get the meat, do you, uh, try to, uh, pluck it so you save the skin or do you, uh, get underneath the skin and almost, you know, just pretty much skin the thing and then cut the. I, I, yeah. I, I don't pluck it. I have. I plucked one wild turkey, I think, years ago, and I'm like, nope, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah, that's... It's too much work. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to boil water, and it, there's a lot of work into it. So, mm-hmm. But no, mm-hmm. I just pull both to breast, and then I cut the legs off of them. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, good information there. That's pretty much what I do with my pheasants too. Is just kind of get under the skin and get to the yeah, breast them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, breast them out. Get get what I can off the legs and anywhere yeah. else where the, I can get some meat. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. Well, Heath, uh, before we uh, before we let you go here, um, obviously. I've really enjoyed following you on social media. How can uh, people track you down on uh, Instagram and Facebook? Um, both of them, Instagram and Facebook, both are, are just Heath Rayfield. Um, you, you can look up both of them either way. I don't have any um, handles, should you say. Yeah. So Instagram <laughs> is Rayfield and Facebook is Heath Rayfield too. Sure. Um, and I, I appreciate you guys having me here and, and you know it's, it's humbling to know that someone wants me to talk about it so no oh, man we're, oh, man. we're, We've loved we're it. honored for sure and uh you know another place that everyone can uh see what heath is up to or i guess more like has been up to since they're uh recorded uh usually a season before they release but uh buck ventures the the woodsman on my outdoor tv highly highly recommend i mean uh you know, I, I, I finally got around to, to watching that and I've said it a few times. I binged it. It was just that good. I mean, uh, uh, Heath had, had a lot of great content on there. Our buddy Noel has some great content on there, but I mean, really the whole team of guys that, that come together for that, you know, just the diversity they're hunting all over the country and, uh, really putting some, some great content together. And of course, Jeff Danker is a great personality and, and, uh, you know, uh, just a positive thing, something that you can, you know, safely watch with the kids. You don't got to worry about any of that, you know, stuff, uh, you know, being offensive mm-hmm. to them or anything like that. So, yeah, I, I, I strongly recommend you check out Heath there. And then also, uh, don't forget about the, uh, monster buck episode from what, what year was that buck from <laughs> Heath? Uh, that would have been year before last. So that would have been killed him in night. Okay. And that's with uh, Realtree, right? Aren't they yep. the ones that, yep. that put that out? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. So check out, check out Heath's 2019 buck that made it on to uh, Monster Bucks. Just, I mean, <laughs> you can tell that, you, you know, we... it'll, be 2020. it'll be 2020's issue. It's, it's, uh, 
episode or it's DVD season twenty nine, volume one is what he's on. But you know, we killed the deer in nineteen, and then obviously everything aired in twenty. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. That's yeah, that's that's really cool. So you can definitely check Keith out there. We hope to have him back quite a few times on the show. We're, like we like I was just saying, we're honored to have him. And uh, um, you know, Heath, I'm excited to see what else uh, you get a you get a get knocked down on the ground yet this spring. We're going after one in the morning, boys. <laughs> no, uh, well, I'm I'm excited to see. You'll have to text us if you uh, if you guys get anything. We'll be happy to happy to post that on our page too. If uh, you, if you uh, got any good content you'd like us to share, so I, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't want to be I want to be that turkey right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a quick rundown. Yesterday's hunt. Yesterday's yeah. hunt. Very quick. Birds jumped yeah, out sure. of the limb. Four run straight to us walked right up to the decoys uh couldn't let my hunter shoot uh all four of them are right there if he would have shot one time i know he would have killed at least three with one shot wow um, wow <laughs> finally gets off to the side he shoots he hits the turkey but he was so close once again his pattern hit the bird a little bit low okay bird mm. kind of flopped anyway he shot the bird before he got out of there yeah. And turkey flop. Well, the other three never knew what was going on other than a loud noise. Sure. So I kind of got yeah. on the call kind of hard. These three birds, I, I've never seen anything like this. So these three birds come back up there goblin, got on the dead turkey, and we timed it. <clears throat> For 50 minutes, Oh, they stayed at 30 yards goblin and strutting and picking on that dead turkey wow. before they finally and when they walked oh. off they were gobbling. and another boy off to our right or to our left was gobbling oh my goodness we'll make a little different play and we're going after them again in the morning <laughs> wow <laughs> so you know yeah you know they're 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 ready to play so i mean man that's that's awesome are you gonna have are you yep. gonna have um a couple guys out with you tomorrow or what's the plan no, nah, I got I got just one guy with me. I'm okay. one on one. Uh, nine times out of ten, all my guys is one on one because you know, our yeah. members and you know our man, unless they bring a kid or something. But most of the time it's one on one. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I think we we stand if these birds want to gobble and they halfway do what they did the other morning. I just gonna, I'm gonna set up different. And, yeah. And obviously I'm not gonna use a decoy because they've done seen my decoy set up. Mm-hmm. So. uh just gonna, I'm just going to go at them a little bit different. Um, we shot them far enough away from the roost. I think they'll be roosted back in the same area and all. So okay. Man, we're, we're already excited to hear about it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. That sounds like a ton of fun. A lot of action there. Yeah, for sure. Well, Heath, thank you so much for coming on the show, giving up your evening and, uh, and uh, you know, staying up past your bedtime. I'm sure you're going to have an early morning tomorrow to get out there in time. And we just really appreciate you coming back on the show. And, uh, you know, like I was saying, make sure if you're listening, you follow Heath on Instagram and on Facebook. You will thoroughly enjoy his content. Please also make sure you head over to thehuntfishlife.com. Lots of cool stuff going up there on uh, the Hunt Fish Life, both the uh, Facebook page, but also uh, the Instagram page as well. That's been pretty active mm-hmm. here as of late. And um, yep. 
make sure that you're you're uh, getting them checked out there and then of course finally uh, when you're done with that make sure you head over to firstgenhunter.com you'll find all the links to my social media pages and uh you know we've been getting uh, uh some great reviews coming in on itunes here lately or i guess i should say apple podcast now um you know we really appreciate that that does that that really helps get the word out on the first gen hunter podcast so uh, if you haven't yet um we love you thank you so much for for uh, tuning in we'll just ask you one more favor to please get over there and 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 leave us a review we really appreciate that super helpful to us and uh hopefully you know we can uh reach more people help more people learn how to hunt better you know you 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 listen to a guy like heath and you're going to be a better hunter at the end of that there's no there's no doubt about Mm -hmm. it so uh, we thank you so much for tuning in each and every week and uh, hopefully as you're uh putting your turkey plans together here uh make sure you take care and take someone hunting amen